Thank you for listening to The Apprenticeship Diaries. This is The Butterfly Effect, part one of our interview with Garrett Radio of Black Coffin Tattoo in St. Paul, Minnesota. Welcome to The Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. So we're recording. Welcome, Apprenticeship Diary listeners. I'm here today with Garrett Garrett Radio. Is that how you? Radio. 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 You had it so good. I know. Radio. (laughs) And he owns Black Coffin Tattoo, and it's in Minnesota. Yeah, St. Paul, Minnesota. Okay, in the same town. I thought you guys were were um, in the same area because I I know you through Jordan. I actually was able to go to a fart meeting. Which, what's the acronym again? I always, I, know Facebook, I was going to test you. <laughs> Facebook advocates for, for, sa- for safety, res- responsible, responsible tattooing. tattooing. That's what it was. I always responsible <laughs> tattooing. It's the responsible part. That just keys yeah. you into where I'm lacking. Uh- <laughs> That's the key. Responsible tattooing. Yes. Yes. Um, which I love right when I heard about it and um, I had, I had to perform a fart. Um, which we never did elect in that meeting. We never did elect a best fart. Did you realize that? Uh, yeah, it's just kind of this ongoing thing. We just, we say do a good fart and then um, everybody buys me a beer because. Oh, right on. You know, I didn't buy yeah. you a beer, but I'm doing a podcast with you. So. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's close. <laughs> we're still, we're, we're still fart friends. It's all that's good. right. That's right. Yeah. It was, it was a, it was an amazing meeting by the way. And I'm so blessed because, uh, you know, I wanted to visit Jordan, of course, cause I loved her just right off the bat. But when I, when she told me about the fart meetings, uh, on her podcast interview, I was like, dude, I want to be a part of it. And it just so happens that I scheduled my, my guest spot right when you guys were doing them. She was like, you picked like the best week ever to come because you're going to meet so many people. And you were one of the people I met. And Garrett and I, we, you, you and I clicked right away because we both love to talk. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we were fighting for the, the, the floor space on that one, I think. I know. And that's always me, man. I just come in hot. <laughs> First fucking meeting just out the gate. <laughs> you, you know, I, I get a beer or two in me and I just, um, you know, it takes that to open up. Like I had mentioned before, um, it, it's, it's just a nice relaxed environment Mm -hmm. um that's why we don't do it at a shop because you know people get weird about going to shops um it's neutral ground um and it's just good for the for the craft no and I, i i like that too because there was some talk afterwards about maybe meeting at shops to um do drawing groups or whatever but i do i do like your idea and concept of keeping keeping it neutral and at the very least um, something that the community itself can take place in, because during that time, 
we had people coming in and out. Like we got to share with a, a patron of a, like a, a proprietor of a bar. We got to um, interact with several different, you know, there was a woman giving away food. There was, yep. you know, somebody selling, you know, Mexican food on foot, which was dope. It was good stuff. Wasn't it? Oh my God. <laughs> those tacos were banging, man. So like, so that's why you keep it that way. Right. Because yeah. yep. that way that we get to interact with the community as well. And they can, they can see what we're trying to do as well, which I think is also the the benefit of that kind of thought too. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, how long have you been tattooing now? I think you told told us, but say for our fans. <laughs> um, I, I uh, twenty one years now. Uh, yeah. I believe. Don't quote me any of my numbers or anything else. I might be off by one or two, but yeah. um, my daughter is twenty one and. Um, I think I started just before or just after she was born. Uh, that was 21 years ago. I, I, there's a lot of hazy, a lot of yeah. hazy days, but um, yeah, 20, 21 years, I think. Well, it's not like college where like there's marks where you go for four years. And then after that, there's this whole, you know, graduation process when it comes to apprenticeships in our industry. It's like, you just find yourself tattooing one day and you're like, Oh shit, I'm doing it. Like, <laughs> like I'm yeah. doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You flash forward and shit there. Here's my 10 year. Here's my yeah. 15 year. And, and um, yeah, it, it goes really quick as life does. Life yeah. goes very fast. Um, and here we sit. Yeah. Well, what um, before, before you came, uh, to what ultimately was your family life and your daughter and then tattooing, what, what kind of, like, what was the path? Like what was before that? Like, uh, what brought you to, um, so I had always had a knack for weird jobs. I never wanted to be a nine to five. I I never wanted to be a suit and tie. Mm -hmm. I graduated, from high school in 1994 that was last century as my kids remind me um and i took my money i went to bartending school it was like three four hundred bucks uh, i took my graduation money obviously a very small graduation party um but uh the next day i was in bartending school and i started bartending um I was a bartender for, I believe it was 11 years, um, high paced, uh, uh, fast bars. And I, I used to do magic shows. Um, I used to deal poker. I used to deal blackjack. I have, I, I even did car repo for like three days. That didn't go over so well, but that's a um, rough I just, not for me. <laughs> I'm the most passive aggressive Minnesota motherfucker you will ever meet. Uh, <laughs> no, I hear you, man. The guys that I've known that have done that job, man, they're uh, aggressive. Like yeah, it wasn't in your face me. aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I couldn't do it. And um, I just always had this knack um, for, or I always had this desire to do something out of the norm. I was sitting getting tattooed uh, back in 98, 99 with my buddy. And uh, I was asking the tattooer just a bunch of questions like, oh, you know, how, how does this work? What do, you, what do you charge? How do you make your living? So on and so forth. And at the end of the tattoo, I'm like, well, shit, I can, I can do that. That sounds fun. You know, yeah. I just had a kid or I think, I think she was just born. 
Well, actually, let me retrace. Um, she was she wasn't born at the time. Um, and I've always been a constant go getter. I've always had two and three jobs. I, I've that's just that's my my work mentality. And um, I wanted something fun to do. Yeah. So I said, well, shit, let's try this. So I bought the Huck Spalding A to Z. Mm-hmm. I called around to the shops. And at the time, so y'all need to keep in mind, this this is a different time in tattooing. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think our if we had Yellow Pages these days, there'd probably be about 200 shops in there. When I did it, uh, I called around to these shops. It was a very short call list. There was maybe 13 or 14. Yeah. And um, I got told everything from like, well, go practice at home. And when you're good enough, get a job. I got the door slammed in my face left and right. Um, because it was a lot of old school tattooers. Well, what we, what we refer to now as old school tattooers. Um and back then in 98, 99, there was already too many tattooers in the industry, according to these guys. Um, so, yeah, I just I, I, I got lucky. I found an apprenticeship due to bartending um, and I ran with it. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, the because my foundation was hair, which is another service industry kind of thing, but it's also a people industry. And I consider bartending to be the same is that, you know, you get to, you get to learn people very, very well when you have that kind of job and that kind of connection with them and in service. And, um, again, it, it shows you to the dichotomy, um, of the professional as well, because you get people who are at the lowest of their low and people who are also entertaining their, their high-end clients, if you're a bartender. And it's the same with hair too. You know, I, I, you know, cut hair of very poor people, very family oriented people, very business minded people, like, like the gauntlet. So you, you're, you're able to connect with every form of human that there is through that industry. And, um, and, and get to learn a lot. And like you said, the pace uh, is the thing, you know, um, when you learn that kind of high intensity work ethic, um, it, it really primes you, I think, for uh, tattooing in a way that that if there if there was like a, you know, a course that you could you could teach prior, I think that those two professions are really great professions to know the rhythm of um, before tattooing, because it'll it'll prime you really, really well. Uh, Absolutely. Um, The restaurant business, you know, pretty much every tattooer that I know has worked in Mm -hmm. some form or shape in the restaurant business. Um, I often joke with myself, like, what would I be qualified for if I didn't tattoo? And um, naturally, it would be sales because we Mm -hmm. are people. We we read people. especially with the restaurant industry, but, um, and, and hair salons and all of that stuff, we are people pleasers and, and, uh, it, it's a very interesting, um, relationship, I think. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, and we're people lovers too. Like, I feel like it's, that's the thing is that I, I feel connected to you. And you said that you didn't want to have like a normal job because I feel like for me, a normal job meant a kind of a disconnect with people and more of like a, um, 
you know, like a more of a, a love of the money or, or the, the pursuit of accolades or something like that. But that was never very much so interest, an interest to me. I wanted something that I could be woefully myself and authentic to myself and then invoke that into other people too. So that's why I went into, you know, the beauty industry and I've had a litany of service industries as well. Um, you know, like you, I've worked at Victoria's Secret. I've worked at, you know, a bagel, a bagel bakery. I've worked at Starbucks and things like that. So I have the corporate, you know, knowledge of, of those things, but the service it's, it's, um, it's a rare love of the human condition, I think. And one that comes from a place of, like you said, it's not aggressive. It's, it's, it's a very passive aggressive kind of latent thing because there's a lot of power that comes from that service place. A lot of influence that comes from it too. And like I said, it connects you to all manner of the community. And, and when you love that, and when you recognize that there's an immense power there that, that you're in the heart of and that you're, you're a part of, that's really, really, really cool. And um, it transcends anything else, which is really, really neat. You know, it's a, it's a unique experience. Um, you know, doing what we do, and and you know, prior to tattooing and and all of that. Like, I think dealing with customers one on one, I think it can really shape you. Um, it, it can give you a good idea of what good customer service is and, and all that stuff. And so to all the apprentices out there, um, keep, keep your uh, waitressing job, keep your bartending job, keep yeah. your salon jobs for a while. Like there are, there are life skills in these jobs that you do not yeah. get anywhere else. Well, and like you said, um, you did magic tricks, but, but on the whole, Magic Whether, shows, magic shows, shows. I'm sorry. Magic shows. My apologies. <laughs> I haven't seen these magic shows, but yeah, I, think that's I ain't awesome. done them for 20 years. But dude, yeah, that's no. amazing. I mean, I think it's great because, like I said, there's a performance there, and there's mm-hmm. a performance to hair as well. Um, Absolutely. You have to be on. Like there's this on switch that goes in, and that pre-fight hype that you get on really the stage of your profession with. And that's exactly yeah that's exactly it yeah um when we, I, I don't mean to cut you off no um, please it's about going, you. <laughs> going on stage um it, it's a real thing um and i think that's kind of I, th- I think doing the magic shows believe it or not um has kind of prepped me in a few different ways but um the hype and understanding that people are paying to see you they're paying for your time they want your personality they're paying to experience you and little did i know that this is exactly what i'd be doing a few years down the road people are paying for our experience the amount of um life-changing conversations and just it's crazy you know you get someone in there in your chair and you're doing a little butterfly wings and you, you hear the story of why they want butterfly wings. Maybe they're, um, you know, hopefully not the case, but maybe uh, a child of theirs had passed or whatever. Um, people are paying for our knowledge. We are part-time therapists, 
psychologists. Um, sometimes we're just a good ear to listen to, you know, or good ear to, to, to speak to. And, um, that's a huge thing that I don't think you get working at a big, big box store. You know, yeah. it takes hairstyling. It takes that service industry. We are in the service industry. I don't care what anybody says, feed your egos as much as you want. <laughs> all you do is you, you draw skulls and flowers. You're not changing the world. I say this all the time. I think you heard me say it before. We're not changing the world. We are offering an experience and you need no, you need to know how to make that experience rich. Yeah. I mean, but here's the thing is I do, I agree. And I disagree. I agree in that we have to monitor our egos. It's important to understand where in this paradigm we lie and we don't lie and, and where we need to understand our influence and the power and the responsibility of that and not let it make us into wicked dicks. Um, <laughs> because we have a lot of power and we have a lot of ability to be righteous assholes if we want it to be. And that's important not to be, um, cause nobody, it's not a good look on anyone. Um, <laughs> but, but where I disagree with you is that that's why I think that I think we are changing the world. We're doing it one person at a time and we're doing it we're doing it in a way that you can only do. It's a very passive way, but for me, it's the best way because it's the way that you actually affect change because any other way affects change very, very violently, very without thought or care to the individual person. Whereas with us, I think what we do is um, we nurture that individual uh, in a time where they they need nurturing and bring about this good exchange of energy that can only have a very good and wonderful ripple effect. That's why it's so powerful. Um, I, in the service industry and the hair, I read this book called On Being a Daymaker. And it's all about just the kind of energy transference uh, that we we have and that and that we cultivate all the time within being service industry providers and how influential that is and it's that butterfly effect I mean you mentioned butterfly wings yeah. but you know it's that butterfly effect you know what you put out in the world does matter um, and it's and it's just keeping that in mind you know keeping it in mind that that what we wield is a very powerful position that has immense evocative influence on other people that if we don't, if we're not careful about how we utilize that power, we will change the world. We do anyway, but we will do so in a way that we're not happy about and we have to watch it. So I, I do believe there's a lot of power, which is why I have this, you know, because I want, I want people like you who have, um, and like the fart meetings where, where we discussed, you know, horrible situations that have happened to us in our past, where we can, you know, strive for a world that's better than that in the future and um, give some information and set some expectations maybe for the future that are um, more positive and going to yield hopefully better things. Um, but that's why this is all happening. I, I want people... I want people to hear other people's stories. I know me personally, I don't learn very well when somebody tells me to do something. I'm like, fuck you, I'll do what I want. 
Um, <laughs> I learn best when I listen to people and I hear their story and I hear what they did and I hear what happened and I cherry pick from everybody's experiences what I think is valid for me. And then I, I test it in my life and I use it in my life and I see how that, how that works. Um, that's kind of how, that's kind of how I move and how I learn and how I experience things. And I, I, I think that's a good resource for everyone. That's why I think this diary kind of shit is good because, you know, all of us, every single person who has a di- diary entry here will have something to yield to somebody listening. And, um, and I, I think that's how they're going to learn. They'll, they'll find their own way and their own path. And even if it doesn't take them to tattooing, if it sets them on another course entirely, that's great because it'll be the best path ever because that's yeah. the, the one that was the most integral. But yeah, I, I agree with the, the, the bartending industry. I, I considered doing that for a minute. I had somebody tell me that I would be really good at that. And I was like, fuck <laughs> yeah, I would be. I'd be amazing at that job. <laughs> you know, the, the, these old boys, um, for lack of a better term, if they were around and still tattooing, um, you know, they would laugh at this. And, and like, what do you mean? You just want a fucking skull, man. Like, just sit down, shut up, let's do it. And I, I agree with you 100% that we are transforming people individually one-on-one. Yeah. Um, it's crazy to, when you realize the power and, and you said you said two words I, I believe it was power and i don't know what it was power and control or something like that like responsibility power yeah. and responsibility um i don't mean to dismiss that because what we do we change people's lives mm-hmm. um granted we're not curing cancer but maybe we're making that person feel a little bit better a little tougher uh, a little sexier, a little, you know, um, giving people closure. Mm-hmm. How many times have you done a tattoo where um, somebody, you know, for a, a, a loved one or something and they get up and they fucking cry in the mirror. Hopefully it's not because it's a shitty tattoo, but like, right. you know, they cry. And, and I, I don't want anyone listening to this to dismiss what we do. Um, we are trivial. We are expendable. Well, I get we what you mean. Luxury item, but well, I, I get what you mean. We impact we're, people. We're not. Here's here's the way I look at it. I'm not slaving. You know, like this. This was. I don't want anybody to undermine what I do, but I want everybody to know that as hard as it is to do, it doesn't feel hard because I love it. Because I wake up and eat, breathe and shit this. And I, I love it. And I have recognized the things that are luxuries of my own profession itself. I don't work outside. I don't have to lift anything heavy. I, I, you know, I I'm in a tempered controlled, you know, realm where I get to play. That's how I see it. Play. But how's your back doing? How's your back feeling? Matt, I have to. (laughs) No, you're right about that. As as anybody that sits all day. I mean, that was something I learned in here too. My dad's a licensed massage therapist and anybody, anybody that sits at a desk all day, they have back issues and you can feel it. We used to give seated massages before people got their hair done. And man, anybody that had a desk job, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like I was tight up here 
only because I was doing this all day, you know, like, you know, moving my yeah. hands, blow, ha- you know, blowing people's hair dry and things like that. But these people were tight. Like their whole core was fucked up. And, and they're like, I just sit at a desk all day. And I'm like, man, you gotta, <laughs> like, this is, you need regular massages. Fuck this shit. Like you don't need five minutes on a, on a seated massage chair. You need like hours upstairs in the massage room. And, and, you know, as it stands now that I do this job, you have to do core ex- exercises. You have to, like, there's the only way to really keep your back from falling apart. Like that, that's essential. I've learned that, um, from my own experience as well. I'm getting older. So I definitely, yeah. my back <laughs> and I feel you, <laughs> so, but, um, so when you, um, I, I guess, t- tell me about how, uh, how the apprenticeship went. Like, Hey, so you finally got one, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did. And for the sake of the, the interview, I'll, I'll just keep their name vague. Guess, guess what their name is. I don't know. Terry. Terry. Oh, Terry. Oh, Terry. I should have yeah. fucking known that. <laughs> God damn so Terry. <laughs> Terry is, Terry is just, uh, it, it's a name I use to refer to people that, um, you know, I, I don't want to name out because, um, while I had a, I, I was very fortunate to have an apprenticeship. I, it's fucking awesome. Um, I don't want to call anyone out because um, I know that we're going to get into things that could be better. And, and I, I don't, I don't want to call anyone out. So I just refer to people as Terry. Coincidentally, that's my dad's name, but that it has no place. None, nothing else. Um, I got an apprenticeship. Um, this would have been, uh, I think 2000. Um, this uh, gentleman came to the bar that I was working at. Uh, we were a goth nightclub with bondage and all this fun stuff. It was it was a pretty cool Whoa, club actually. Cool. But yeah, yeah, it was yeah. freaky. Yeah. Um, perfect place to meet tattooers. Mm-hmm. Um, and after talking to him a couple times, I um, he offered me an apprenticeship. Um, it was twenty five hundred dollars. Again, this is back in. 99 ish um it was 2500 bucks and i was like cool yeah i like all right i i mean i went to college um 2500 bucks yeah that's fine um and i remember uh finally going in so my prerequisite was uh, some, some, some of the people don't understand what tattoo flash magazine is, but, um, <laughs> he said, go and go and draw, just copy some photos from tattoo flash magazine. He's like, bring me in three photos, you know, draw them. And, um, I had my Crayola pencils and, and, um, you know, I sat and I, of late, late night Garrett, just, you know, the fucking day before, cause that's what I do. Um, and I, I drew him and I brought him in and he said, all right, cool, let's go. Um, I paid him half up front. I had just had a kid or was just expecting one. Again, I don't remember the exact details. Um, I paid him up front. Um, I remember the first day washing his tubes. I went back to the sink and uh, he said, scrub these tubes for me. I said, all right. And I came back over to his booth, my hands all wet with bleach water. 
<laughs> hepatitis. I said, what do you want me to fucking do next? He's like, do you wear gloves? I said, no. What, what for? <laughs> you didn't tell me. You didn't tell me to, yeah, well, to wear like, gloves. I you didn't said know shit, man. Like, I didn't know nothing. Um, he's like, you know, his client's sitting there and I, I, I could just see his face. You know, he's all about to puke in his booth, you know, because with my fucking sloppy hands and shit. But um, I remember another time. Um, so let me backtrack a little bit. I, I come from a different era of apprenticeships. Um, obviously, I stated it was around the year 2000. Um, when I talked to my mentor, we were one of the first shops to actually get a computer. I knew a little bit of Photoshop. I think it was Photoshop like four or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, I'm like, yo, man, we, we could benefit from this. This was back to a time where um, we had dial-up internet and we couldn't be on the computer and get a phone call at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, I showed him some Photoshop and um, I mean, he ran with it, but just, just to set an idea of when this was, I was sent as an apprentice, I was sent to the library to go check out books on dinosaurs so he could draw a T-Rex. Right. Um, this was a thing. Um, we've got it very easy now, mm -hmm. but this is the world that it was. We had Flash. That's the world that I grew up in. Um, uh, you had to learn everything. You know, uh, there's flash. If, if there was flash on the wall, you had to be able to tattoo it. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's kind of the, the era that I come from. Um, you had to be good at everything. And the I swear to God, any artist now um, that if you could rewind to 2000 and send your stuff into these tattoo magazines, y'all would all be on the front cover like mm -hmm. like it's crazy what the information age has done for our craft and our industry um used to have to go buy the tattoo flash magazine to see what was new see what brandon uh whatever his name is uh you know see what the next new guy was doing you know um <laughs> it, it it was crazy and now it's just it's at our fingertips so i come from a different background right um it's a world that doesn't exist anymore. Right. And um, it doesn't, it doesn't. The, the people who hold the cards are the ones that now are, are who are teaching this new generation. So the things that they're confronting are different. They have a lot of imposter syndrome. They have a lot of anxiety and things like that, mostly because they don't think that they, they had the tangible hard knocks that you or I had my, my, my first apprenticeship in tattooing was in 2004. So I understand the timeline that you're talking about. Um, <laughs> not, not as OG as 2000, because, um, that was, that was a little bit before my time and the technology skyrocketed between 2000 and 2004 even. And then when I picked up tattooing again in 2010, um, it was light years away. That was like the renaissance of tattooing. That's when all the art kids were really getting, yep. getting into it. So like I, I've experienced uh, both of those uh, accounts. So I understand what you're saying. The thing that that's um, the technology has done a lot of things for the art and everything. I don't know if it has done very much for uh, 
the, the professional uh, in, in a lot of ways um, because it's so easy sometimes. And I think that's why also this podcast is very yielding because, you know, how do you get your foot in the door these days? You know, before, like you said, there was like 13 tattoo shops. Now there, now there's like 200. And so the, the, the need to be awesome kind of out the gate uh, is, is pretty intense. You know, the, the competition more so now is, you know, getting in the industry and shining from that place. Uh, and you have to be a lot more digital savvy too. Um, you know, have a good Instagram account, you know, cater, cater your, your social media platform so that you have opportunities and you don't look like a dumbass. Uh, for, for a prospective mentor, uh, because they're not going to want anybody who's, you know, swinging from chandeliers, you know, and shit. And, and, and every other shot is them with a red solo cup getting tart at a party. You know what I'm saying? Like you yeah, gotta, yeah. you gotta mind your P's and Q's in a Absolutely. much different fashion these days than you ever did. Um, but in my day, in order to submit art to a, a prospective college, you had to know how to take slides, you know, and you had to submit slides and it was this whole process and an interview and everything like that. You didn't, you didn't just have like a digital email or digital freaking, you know, portfolio that you could, I mean, shit, you need, you needed to know basic HTMI coding to yeah. even make a goddamn website and hire a professional to do it. There wasn't Wix, there wasn't WordPress, there wasn't any of yeah. these like things. Like you didn't have any of it. And like you said, dial up, we came from a time that you couldn't even freaking have social media interactions without going, mom, I'm on the computer. <laughs> Get off the phone. It, it's just such a funny world. Like I, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I, I, I am blessed to have seen it all change. I wish I had stories of the seventies. I mean, I was only five years old, um, but I, I wish I had Do these you? stories. <laughs> these people look old, man. <laughs> they did some shit in the seventies, boy. <laughs> it's, 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 it's an evolving world. Like if you would have rewound, like, let's go back and, and like, yeah, you're going to have this pad where you're drawing your designs. You know, what kind of science fiction movie is that shit? And, and uh, rotaries like, I mean, I get rotaries pre-existed, you know, like well before the eighties, like, you know, I, I, I get it, you know, but um, I remember seeing Cheyenne needles and my buddy telling me, He's like, yeah, you got to get this makeup pen. It's called a Cheyenne. And it was the black and red one. And, and this yeah. is probably around 2001 or two or something. He's like, oh, this thing's going to make waves. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Who's paying $2 for a freaking needle? Get out of here. $2 a needle? $2.50? <laughs> like, and here we sit. Like, yep. it's, it's just a funny world. It, it, it's, it changes. And um, for the people listening, um, be prepared to change because yeah. what we're doing now, we think is the norm. It's going to change again. It's going to change again. Just, yep. just keep your ear to the freaking railroad, please. Yeah. Well, and be very grateful if you're already in, because I, I see this getting harder and harder for you to get into. Um, yeah. and I, I see this being something that like, 
unfortunately, uh, I understand why regulation happens. Uh, I think it's with, at least on the, on the frontal level for people who look inward, it's all the safety stuff and whatever. On the back end, what it ends up producing is gatekeeping and it limit, limits competition. And that's ultimately what it does. And you get this socioeconomic structure to where only certain people can even afford to educate themselves to get in to an industry. And that right. will happen. You're, you're 2,500, even if, even if um, you know, at the time and everything, even if you know, your, your education went sour, that was a cheap price to pay because now I know in the hair industry, it's, it's, I mean, when I was in it, it was $15,000 to learn how to cut hair at a school. And now I think it's up to like 30 grand a year. Um, and that's just, just to be a licensed. And I don't say just, I mean, that's a, that's a profession and it's worthy of education, but I will tell you the reason why I have the apprenticeship diaries is because I've had four apprenticeships in my day. It could have only been two, but I'm, I'm hard-headed and I like to stop and start again. Um, so, so I did two in each and I will tell you, I've, I've also gone to college. I've also gone to school and I, I can't, I can't shirk the information that I got from it, but I will say it was an overpriced education given what it ultimately yields for you. When you leave, you're in a very concentrated bubble of of experience that is not really relevant to the rest of the world. Once you do get out of college and you try to apply those things, the only, the only thing that I can say is relevant is when you do an apprenticeship, when you learn one-on-one -on -one with, with a seasoned professional who's there to teach you exactly what you'll need to know on site, on job. And as long as there's oversight enough to make sure there's not abuse, which I'm fine with, like, I, I'm fine with regulation if it comes to that, but the problem with it is that no amount of that descales. They never descale anything. So to give you an example, during my uh, licensing of, of do, becoming a master barber and a professional barber, these are the practical qualifications. You have to take an eighth of an inch off of a head of hair, which like, who the fuck can't take? I mean, I, it's an eighth of an inch. Like, is that even a haircut? Um, an eighth of an inch. You have to do a full hot lather shave service, which who the fuck gets a hot lather shave anymore? Like we have at Walmart, you can buy a blade, you know, a razor that has five blades in it. What the fuck would you want some chick who, who with a single blade, I don't care how sharp it is. It's not going to master <laughs> five goddamn blades and a Bic razor. Like, like, like yeah. why would you have me do that? I mean, I would shave the back of my clients. You know, I clean up their, you know, the sides of their, their, um, their sideburns and the back of their neck. I do that with hot lather and stuff, but nobody, nobody does that their full face anymore. And then I had to put in three perm rods and, and showcase that I knew how to put perm solution on, which again, there's still perms done. They're not called perms anymore. They're called body waves and they're completely different tools. You don't use perm rods per se. It's all about you know, the chemical process and what it's actually doing the hair, but, but that's antiquated as shit, man. And I'll guarantee you, it hasn't changed since I did it. <laughs> I'm positive of it. 
I'm positive that it, it I mean, I'm not a hundred percent positive, but I can guarantee you that it hasn't really affected it. And yet I'm pretty sure that, you know, and I know the, the price of education has just kept going up and up and up and up. So that tells you something about all of these things. The education is key. How you get the education and how much you have to spend on it is another thing. And what kind of gatekeeping that allows for in accessing education. So for me, it's very integral that us as professionals, you know, I hear right now a lot of seasoned people talking about not taking on apprentices anymore. And it breaks my heart because they, they're like, there's too many, there's too many tattoo artists. I'm like, yeah, but who's going to decide, are you going to let, are you going to decide? And are you going to be the person who makes this decision? Are you going to, are you going to give that to somebody else? Because I guarantee you, they're willing to make money off of teaching the next generation and they will, and they'll make sure they do. Some exciting news, diary listeners. We actually got a wonderful promotional code from Reinventing the Tattoo recently, and we're happy to share this with you. It's 10% off on a subscription to Reinventing the Tattoo. And if you don't know about this wonderful, wonderful service, it's continuing education for working professionals, very geared around tattooers. But I would venture to say that if you are looking to improve your art skills and have regular momentum to your creation, creativity and to your own professional education, I can't recommend it enough. One of the prime people that you will be critiqued by and helped with and draw with and all of that good stuff is Guy Atchison. And if you don't know about him, you probably should. He is a very, very pivotal person in our industry. I joined them for for one exercise. I I did a color study. I mean, Rico sat there and and watched me the other night do Mm -hmm. a, a color study exercise with Guy and company, and it was amazing. I was flexing all kinds of muscles. It's just all around if you want to improve your art skills. I can't see a better way than hanging out with a lot of professional artists and seeing the kind of work that they do and the kind of exercises they work on all the time. It's www.reinventingthetattoo.com backslash The Apprenticeship Diaries. So again, that's www.reinventingthetattoo.com backslash The Apprenticeship Diaries. And that's going to save you 10% on your subscription. Go check it out, folks. Here, here's, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to comment for a couple minutes on that. Please, please. Um, <laughs> you, you know, the, um, there's too many tattooers mentality uh i just want to comment on that for a second um this is an opinion formed like a lot of like like your antiquated um testing and and you know the the eighth of an inch of hair these are um ideas formed back in the 70s and 80s um these are by olds i love my old school boys the but this is the mentality back then at the time we didn't need 13 tattoo shops we needed three okay Mm -hmm. so they're fighting for competition this is the mentality and everyone that taught me and my generation everyone that i've taught we we've always pushed this whole thing on oh there's too many tattooers too many tattooers nobody ever says there's too many fucking car dealers right exactly there's a lot of tattooers but you know what 
that's when the tattoo world changed. That's when with, with Instagram and I, oh my God, I get so frustrated. I see these two year, three year tattooers tattooing circles around me. Mm-hmm. There, there's not too many fucking tattooers, man. Like there's too many old tattooers that won't move on. Um, that's a dangerous statement. Uh, so don't, don't take that to heart, but like, no, but I think you're the right. World I has think changed. Yeah. I think, I think it's, um, you know, this whole idea of tolerance, um, that, that's, a, that's a very powerful thing. You have to, I think the key to longevity is tolerance and how much you can tolerate, how tolerant you can be, how, how um, diverse you're able to um, have perspective and your willingness to kind of drop everything you think you know for maybe, you know, just, just the, you know, thought that maybe I don't fucking know everything (laughs) and and see from another side of things, but it's tolerance. It's tolerance. I think overall, um, a very old client of my dad said that to me, um, not too long ago. He was like, it's all intolerance and being truly tolerant. And, um, and I think that's the thing is that like, you know, when you, when you get to a certain age, you're more tired than you are <laughs> oh i could go on about that i'm just saying so that's <laughs> yeah. where it comes in it's, it's not that you don't love your old guys it's that you do love them and you see how they're tired and and there's a lot of compassion there but there's also the the understanding of like okay if we were tired you got to go sit this one out you know yeah. like you, you got to go sit and you got to atone and you got to come back when you're hot again when you're hungry again when you're you know passionate again that's when you come back. The world changes around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we are a business. The world changes around us. Um, a couple shops, um, you know, their, their shit was built on AOL or, you know, uh, Netscape or whatever it was, their websites. And, and you can run by, this is why I have a, a successful shop, in my opinion, Um which is Black Coffin, by the way. I never said the name of your shop in your age. You did. You did. I did was I? listening. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wasn't fucking listening. To um, I was putting it out there again. Black Coffin. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. you. You need to adapt to the changes in what we do. Um, we, we have to adapt to the changes. Yelp wasn't a thing, you know, like um, uh, Google reviews, all that stuff. This is how the world is right now. And I think as any savvy business owner, whether it's tattoos or hair salons or whatever it is, you need to adapt and be aware of the changing surroundings. Um, you need to get on and you need to play these games. It, it, it sucks. I fucking hate Yelp. Like, there's 30 reviews, but let's just post the two negative ones, but you know, whatever it, it is, what it is. Um, you know why that As, happens? I found out this about, about Yelp. They have, it's a, it's a multi-tiered thing. So on Yelp, it's not only the, the review, but it's the qualified reviewer. So if I say, I give you a review, but I haven't done a lot of Yelp reviews, they will rise a person to the top of the list, not based on the review itself, but they'll raise them based on how many reviews that reviewer has actually done. 
So that's, that's how Yelp qualifies it. If, if you're a qualified, you know, multi-tiered reviewer, then they'll give you precedence to have commentary on, on Yelp. But that's how it works. Like it, it has They're nothing still to do. Assholes, though. No, I know. Still but that's, I, I had a I had a whole girlfriend who did this whole Yelp thing, and she's like, I won't give them my money anymore because what I found out is is that it doesn't matter how how many great reviews I have, they will only post qualified yeah. reviewers. And yeah. and I was Which, like, well, that's some bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and the fact that it's installed on every Apple phone as mm-hmm. a default. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It, you know, just um re reiterates the point like we're in a different world right now you cannot run a shop like you did in the 80s and 90s you cannot run that shop today you cannot do it you want to say fuck you you know your clients come in you're like yeah fuck you whatever you want to have that attitude it's you it's not going to work it's not going to work we are a customer service industry i don't care what anybody says i don't care about your freaking egos or anything else we are here to serve. Yeah, you. at the end of the day, you want to do tattoos that make you happy. But the world don't care about what makes you happy. They want to be happy. You are a customer service individual. Get it through your head and deal with it. It's a big pill to swallow. <laughs> well, it is and it isn't. I think, that, I think that if you're... I mean, I think that you're... You love it you know like i mean i don't think you'd have kept doing it for 21 years if you didn't love it that's the thing is that like <laughs> you know like now the the thing that i have to say to people is if you want to do your art just do that then because for fuck's sake that's the other thing the internet has done for artists is that you don't need to be a tattoo artist in, in our time tattooing was a path a path to um you know a funnel of clientele where we could showcase what we're capable of doing as artists and interacting with people who met with us halfway to take part in the artistic journey that, that both of us, you know, client and, and practitioner were involved in. And it was a very sacred, very cool moment where both parties were really, really, really meeting each other that half distance and, and it was kind of like we were taking a journey together. And that's how you kind of got your name out there, I think, as a professional artist in a lot of ways, which is what I saw about tattooing more so than I saw about going to school and learning to be an illustrator. You know, I mean, yeah, I learned a lot of things in, in college about illustration, but the connections, I mean, starting to make some but you're you're just around other students I, and all i yeah. saw was like people in art school working then for the art school or half of them not using their degrees at all for shit in the art industry like they went off and they they joined some other thing that they're not even doing art with so for me tattooing was how how can i how can i do my art but but interact professionally and do my art it's it's a it's a commercial art job. So that's the one thing that you have to let people know is like you're, you're partaking within commercial artistry. It's not just about yeah. your art. And that's, that's what I saw within tattooing. So this path to do commercial art. So that then I could do my art later. 
and build a funnel of people who understood my capabilities through doing this commercial thing so that I could move to a sole proprietorship later. But now, now that you have Etsy, now that you have Instagram, now that you have all of these avenues where you can construct your own business, you don't need the middleman of that if you don't want to. You can hidey hole away in your house and create like a goddamn studio and just start banging art out, man, one after yep. another and put that shit on auction online and have a very feasible business where you don't ever have to engage another human being if you don't want to. So so don't do that. If if you if you don't like people or people freak you out or you know, you don't you don't like compromising your shit for someone else, you don't have to. Like, there's nothing that says, at least that I can tell that you have to now rock your art. And if you're selling it like gangbusters on Etsy, keep fucking doing it, man. Hammer away. You don't have to be a tattoo artist. Um, But if but if you love people the way I love people and you love servicing them and you love and you get your inspiration for your art from others and from taking that journey with them which is why I wanted to be an illustrator. I love ideas and I love commenting on ideas and dissecting them. And they don't have to be my ideas. They can be somebody else's. I just get off on it. I love it. And I want to, I want to play with it and break it down and, and share that with another person. So if that's what does it for you, be a tattoo artist. That that's a perfect place for you to be. But if that does, if that sounds like a nightmare, uh, you don't have to, you don't have to, and I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> You know, and, and this, this kind of touches on the, the, the flash, you know, the change mm-hmm. of flash. How many shops you've been into that have a wall mount of flash? Anymore? Yeah. Like it, it again, it's, it's a different, it's a different generation. It's a different gap. You know, we, we, when I, when I came up, um, it was about the flash you had, mm-hmm. you know, custom tattoos. What, what, what? what new service is that that that's cool um this is when custom was you know like kind of just becoming a thing um i grew up with the flash the cherry creek flash for fuck's sake i made so much money off of that stuff they're good um tried and true designs with the difference between the modern group of tattooers in mine and and i'm not going to be one of those old guys like oh, i had to walk uphill both ways but um we, we were stuck doing the flash. Um, I became a tattooer before I became an artist. Right, right. Um, like I knew how to tattoo better than I knew how to draw because mm-hmm. um, I understood the tools better, which is completely backwards from the way it is right now. Um, now people want individuality. They want personality. And, and, you know, thank God for the social medias and all that, because that's where it's formed. Um the the generation of tattooers right now they've got it again i'm not trying to be that old guy i had to walk uphill both ways but you guys got it really fucking easy all right well you can actually specialize in one thing from day one and i don't recommend it i think that's the worst thing to do (laughs) but y'all can specialize and and go this route and this is all i'm doing um we did not have that all no we did not okay um i had to know how to tattoo a fucking philip lou dragon i mean as best as i could down to somebody walking in with a, a bob tire uh i'm sorry of uh paul booth skull paul booth. like yeah. we had to do it all you know yep. what i mean and um you get where where you guys are at now if you're listening to this 
you're in a very fortunate position. Um, I don't resent you for it at all. You're very lucky. And um, just respect the people that paved the way for you. You know, it's a real thing. Yeah. And, and I think a big thing too is um, try to understand that they're tired because I do think that's Oh my important. God, we are. You know, like that's yeah. important. Like I, I do think the perception is, is that they're intolerant, which is not the truth. They're, they're not intolerant. They're tired. And, and so because of the tiredness, they become a lot more short. They, they're, they're not going to romance you with all of these things or break it down infinitesimally small for you because one, that wasn't done for them. And two, they're tired. Okay. <laughs> like they're just yeah. fucking tired. And it's like the dude that was like, scrub these tubes, you know, he, he, in his head, he didn't know that you didn't know to wear gloves, you know? So at that point you got to go, Oh shit, this guy doesn't know why you wear gloves. I got to teach him this now. So a lot of the information that we got, we got from fucking up or from, from having to learn as we go. And so it's not, it's not just a rule that people know, which it is now. Now people know this is, this is what you do. There's bloodborne pathogen courses that you can take for 20 bucks online and get a whole crash course and um, bloodborne pathogen and CPR and AED and all of these, you know, uh, first aid kind of things that you, we didn't, we didn't really have them. We, we no. barely had internet. <laughs> like, they weren't even required shit. Right. They weren't even required back no, then. <laughs> no. And you were going to the library to si siphon, you know, reference images. So like that, that's the thing is that like, when, when you're talking to somebody, don't think that they're gatekeeping because if they're willing to talk to you, even if they're willing to bash you, even if they're willing, they're showing you some time and energy that they don't have to that they really don't have to. So look at it as a gift and ask more questions. If somebody, you know, even if they say something to you that is, seems awful, hang, hang your own ego or hang your own shit for a second and don't take it personally and just dive in and ask a lot of questions because that's, that's what the old heads really appreciate is when you'll smile through their bullshit sometimes and just keep pushing that's when they know they're like, oh, this motherfucker's willing to earn it. Okay. They're willing to earn it. <laughs> okay. do, do you think there's other industries out there? Like, all I know is, is our craft, but do you think plumbers and mechanics sit around and do these meetings and, and they're like, yeah, make that young puck, you know, make, make them ask the question, like haze them a little bit. Like, I know plumbers you, you, are, are, wait a minute. I know electricians do. The electrician apprenticeships are really intense and they're very necessary to pay attention to because you can die very easily. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. like, yeah, there, there's a lot of hazing. There's a lot of brow beating. There's a lot of, it is predominantly um, guys for the most part, the yeah. women are becoming more and more into it. But I do know from what I've heard from electricians is that that apprenticeship is pretty intense. And I do think they, um, the new generation of it now are, um, a lot more from what I've heard from them, uh, a lot more conscientious about safety, about, um, you know, not being, like you said, like not, not being hostile 
and not yeah. being stubborn. You know, they've, I've, I've heard a lot of them be like, you know, this guy will do things that it, it freaks me out all the time. He's going to die. He's going to die on the job and I'm going to see him die. I'm going to see him do something or I'll have to like flat out refuse things because they're completely unsafe. But like the dude does it all the time and, and they'll look at you like you're the asshole when you're like, no, man, I'm not willing to get violently electrocuted <laughs> and die today. Like, I'm not even a fully qualified electrician yet. Can you at least get me past this part? Like, no, I'm not going to fucking prove to you that I'm willing to die for this shit. <laughs> but, like, but like, yeah, there's a lot of professions like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, like we, we we're so we're like we're kind of the last of the pirate line, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. I don't mean to be cheesy about it, but you know, tattooers are pirates, so on and so forth. But um, I think there's a happy balance between that. And, and I just, I just wonder, you know, if other professions take it the way we do as this, as this um, not a birthright, uh, whatever the opposite of a fucking birthright is, Um blessing but this a, a blessing yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and a curse but uh <laughs> Can be I, I just wonder you know um how many other businesses do the shit that we're doing that you and me are doing here right now trying to prep the younger generations like um that uh, i just wonder we during your time and and a little bit of mine because like i said i i didn't um i didn't have you know, so I witnessed needles being made. So I knew how to do that. I had a jig. Um, I know all about the tattoo kits that you get online to tattoo out of your house. I have tattooed out of my house. Um, I have, I've done all the things you're not supposed to do. Um, and I've, I've learned uh, a lot of, a lot of shit along the way. Um, and we do keep getting better and better and better. There are things though, that I feel like the the this generation though um and this is part of the reason why i started this was that it's hard it's hard uh to teach a profession when the profession scales so astronomically as far as technology um over time it, it really really is um and that's the other thing that i hope that a grace can be given to us and our generation uh, in, in being mentors is that, dude, we're, we're doing the best that we can do. Um, this technology is expediting so fucking fast. And we didn't grow up, you know, having this stuff at our disposal to kind of have our young brains be able to hack it early. We've had to, as older people, learn how to integrate these things as we've we've gone on and how to make them work for us and it 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 changes so unbelievably fucking fast and and to a point where um for me it's it's a little upsetting because um mostly mostly because of the amount of money to have to, and, and the amount of which you'd have to really perform excellence in order to have any modicum of success. And it's sad to me because this industry, along with a lot of industries, provides such an amazing opportunity for people 
uh, without college educations and without, yeah. you know, and, and people who, you know, also have very seedy backgrounds. Like I've met people now that have learned to tattoo in prison. And I, I think it's a very, very good profession for somebody who has had that kind of life and who has learned to flip the switch on whatever they have going for them and find that great thing that they can do with whatever talents they have and just make them apply to a profession. It's sad for me because the more we start scaling and scaling and scaling this, um, the less people get the opportunity to feel the beauty of this job. And, and that, that is not just, it's not, it has nothing to do with the art or anything like that. It has to do with, like I said, that touchstone with the community, what you can be to your community, what you can be to your clients and their story and your story and what you can cultivate. Um, I want everybody to be able to find whatever it is that really drives them that way and help them find that. And for me, the more that you have to, the more that you gatekeep uh, information, for, for me, it's just, uh, it's very sad because it's not the information. It's what somebody does with it. That is the real truth. And I've, I've known a lot of privileged people in my life. A lot of people that even in talent were amazingly talented and then did nothing with it, um, or, or squandered the opportunities they were given. And for me, this profession and an apprenticeship in general, is a way to learn for somebody that has moxie, that just has gumption and willpower and just blind heat behind everything they do. And I, I, want, I want always for there to be an environment for that kind of energy, that kind of passion to bloom and to blossom. And so for the people that think that there's too many tattoo artists out there, that... Whether, whether you think that's true or not, what are you going to do about that? Because what within, are you going to change? Right. What are you going to do different? How do right. you make your stamp? Right. There, is there too many flash artists? Yeah, back in the 90s, there was. But this is a new world. It's a new age. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of gate, gatekeeping, you know, I, I remember hearing stories of, you know, how do you get your yellow so bright? Well, you going back and pissing it like these are real things talk about gatekeeping um <laughs> yeah no it's a real thing um yeah. the, the the tattooers from before my era were were so protective of their secrets um i am an information guy i will tell you anything as long as as long as you've earn the right to hear it with, and I'm not putting you through the, the, the tests of the Jedi or the Mandalorian or anything like that. But like, like if you want to learn, I'm going to tell you anything I know. Um, it, it, the information passed on, like we, we got here because of information passed on, like you, your mentor, my mentor, they were all taught secrets and, and now we're evolving it though. So yeah. like, again, back to what I said, you know, any tattooer now puts, puts their weakest tattoo um it's probably going to be the front page in 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 any tattoo magazine that was published in the 90s yeah we have evolved and that is a beautiful thing mm -hmm. um you know nothing against traditional guys like that's evolved too like it, yeah. it's 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 a beautiful world to be in um 
the gatekeeping of secrets, I, you know, I, I just, I, I'm an open source. I'll tell because I had to find the shit out for myself. Um, you know, my apprenticeship was from a self-taught guy. Um, and, and I appreciate it. Um, cause I, I wouldn't be where I'm at now without him, of course. But, um, there was a lot of stuff I wasn't taught. Um, but there were a lot of questions that didn't have answers back then as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, now with, um, you know, the instant, um, gratification or the, the instant posting and, and the ease of question asking, I mean, you know, just, just think back to 1990, like you wanted to ask Paul Booth, you know, what white he used. I mean, you'd ha either have to go see him, get a tattoo by him. You, you sure as fuck couldn't email him, you know, because right. that wasn't a thing. So right. where, where we're at now, it, it's a beautiful place. And I don't think that there's too many tattooers. I am a firm believer in um, the idea that somebody else is doing something better than me creates motivation, not competition. Mm -hmm. um, there's not too many tattooers out there. Uh, you know, things come and they go, uh, they come in waves. Um, you know, uh, there, there, there might be a lot of tattooers, but there's a lot of fucking tattoos being done. So um, Brandon Bond once said, um, we're all on the fucking same team, man. Like, as far as I can see, we're fucking killing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that's like the saying, there's too many, there's too many doctors or there's too many hairstylists. There's, there's too many electricians or something. It's like, dude, no, there's not because there's a lot of fucking people out there. There's a, there's a lot of humans out there. And, um, we're you know, in a tattoo revival right now. Yeah. Like we're, we're totally in a tattoo revival and you can thank all of your TV shows, TLC, you know, there, there was TV shows before Miami Inc. Uh, and Kat Von D like, you can thank all of that for where mm -hmm. we're at right now. Everybody wants to bitch about it, but the reality is, is we put tattoo uh, those TV series put tattoo as a, a common household word. Um, and, and every, you know, a lot of the, the older boys like, Oh, fuck this, fuck that. But like, it's because of that, that, you get to charge 200 bucks an hour, man. <laughs> like fucking chill. You were, you were charging hundred bucks an hour. Like I, yeah, I'm just saying like, um, times change and, and adapt to it and, and, uh, just roll with the punches, man, for real. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, my apprentice, the thing that she suffered with and the thing that she brought about when I interviewed her is she's like, comparison is the thief of joy because that was, that was a big thing for her, you know, back in our time, uh, you know, you could compare yourself to a tattoo magazine for sure. If, if, cause that was out there and I, I could compare myself to what I knew to be good art or good artists. Cause I come from an art background, but um, and I always had those masters as my comparison and my, my heat and my thing that drove me, but like there, there wasn't any comparison. Now you, you are able to compare yourself to some dude in Germany you've never met, you know, like, and that's what fucked her up. That's what really, really screwed her up in her head was just like having that's what makes you think that there's too many tattoo artists is because you think that you're competing with that person. You're not, you're not competing with that person. 
you don't even know that person, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you, you, you have no idea. And the, the thing of it is, is that it's this idea that you have to be a certain kind of professional for other professionals. Um, Cause that's what I see. I see a lot of tattoo artists trying to please and, and compete with other tattoo artists. But the truth is, is that you just have to, you just have to please your client. Um, that that is probably the most realistic statement that's ever been said um as far as tattooing goes anyways um <laughs> you know i i don't care about likes on facebook uh or instagram um i i mean i'd love them i look at all these other people and you know i post a photo and i get 30 40 60 100 whatever it, nothing to fucking brag about i promise you that um nor but I. When a tattooer, <laughs> when a tattooer likes my shit, I'm like, all right, cool. Um, but these tattooers that like and don't like my stuff, they're not paying my fucking bills. Yep. It's 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 the mom of four kids, um, you know, that wants a memorial tattoo for her grandma. These are the people that are paying my bills. Um, I, I want that. Personally, I, I really do, but at the same time, I don't give a fuck. Um, and and it, with with <laughs> oh, I could go on for hours on this. Um, so I, with my more recent um, apprentices, one of which is my daughter, and the other is um, our former shop gal Veronica. I really wanted to. I wanted to try something different. I've always charged for an apprenticeship. Um, and I would love to address that in a minute, um, on why I actually charge. Um, but I wanted to do something different with these two. These two were both very social media savvy, um, technological savvy. So I bypassed for the most part, the traditional watercolor painting. And then we went straight into procreate mm -hmm. and I skipped, uh, coil machines. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see what would be possible to teach these two. And um, it, it was pretty impressive. Um, you know, they're different generations and stuff. Uh, you know, I grew up drawing on paper and whatnot, but um, they adapted very quick. You can be, you can be a awesome tattooer within a year or two. It like, it's a real fucking thing. Yeah, um, for sure. You got to have the drive. You got to have the motivation and you got to have someone to guide you, but you can do it. These, mm -hmm. some of these younger tattooers, I said it earlier, these guys are tattooing circles around me. Mm -hmm. And I wonder why, you know, it's, uh, maybe I'm trying to unlearn too much. You know, I think Yoda said, you gotta, you gotta unlearn before you, before you can make space for your brain. But yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it's, it's a different world and our stories, yours and mine might be antiquated. Um, well, but I mean, I, I did the same as you. So when, when my apprentice started and so I learned on coils at first uh, and they were difficult and I, I only have uh, un, unmantled one and remantled it again, <laughs> you know, unbuilt, you know, <laughs> tore it down and, and built it back up once. And um, I will say that it wasn't, successful we didn't get it to run afterwards but it was okay. it was a it was a journey and i'm sure it was put together fine it was just an old machine i think something happened with the coil when it was being uh you know put back together again but uh i'm like you i with my apprentice uh 
but see, that's what fucked her up. She had a lot of imposter syndrome because uh, she would hear, she would hear. Can from- you define imposter syndrome? I'm sorry. Yeah. I just saw this yeah. pop up in my timeline and I'm guessing if I have a question, somebody else has a question. So can you oh, no, define imposter yeah. syndrome, please? Yes. Um, where uh, pretty much you're doing something, but you don't feel like uh, you, you are that thing yet. So you are a tattoo artist, but you don't feel like you deserve to be one. So that's what would happen. That's what happened to her is that she, because I skipped rotary machines, because I skipped a lot of things um, that I felt in my time learning, I felt were unnecessary, um, at least in the beginning. Uh, I, I won't say they're unnecessary um, entirely. I just think that when you're dealing with a person who's trying to learn a profession, there's only a certain amount they need to know, as you said, to get into that profession. So right. my goal with her was that she was leaving a very, very, not comfy job, but a very secure job with benefits, with pay that she was really fucking good at. And that was, she had a master's to do this. So she was a, she was a middle school art teacher and she was, she was fucking nailing it. You know, she was great. She was voted like best teacher of the year in her school, like multiple years in a row. So she was like, you know, she was a professional in her own right and had done a lot of stuff. So for me, when I apprenticed her, I didn't, I didn't want to focus on a bunch of stuff that I knew, you know, wouldn't get her making money right away. I wanted her to make money because I knew that in order for her to be able to do this job, she would have to make the income that she made at least being a teacher within, you know, a year. And I knew I could get her there. If I cut a lot of fat and what I had to do, I knew I could get her there. But because I cut that fat and because I allowed her um, to not go through a lot of the hard knocks that me and some of the other people that I was working with, um, they, they, they got really upset at me at times because I'd let her say things to me that, you know, kind of were bordering on um, disrespectful. Uh, but I would let her run out the mouth because it didn't matter to me. I mean, you can take a lot of cheap shots at me, man. I'll let you keep hammering away because, uh, you know, you're a baby to me. Like, it's like a yeah. baby trying to hit me with their little baby fists. And I know what they're doing. They're <laughs> mad. But I'm like, look at you. You're so cute. You're so mad. Aww. And, like, you know, like, and it makes them matter. So, you know, like, but like, that's how I felt. And I was just like, you know, she can take some cheap shots at me. I can take it. But but the, the thing of it is, is that it did, um, it does have an effect on your ego if you're not made to suffer quite enough. And if you aren't, you know, like you said, I'm going to treat you like a child I like. That was something that you said during our fart meeting that I think was good was that, you know, I am going to che- treat you like a child, but I'm going to treat you like a child I want to see grow and that I like, and that I want to see yeah. good things out of. And that's, that's kind of how I feel like I treated her was like a child, um, but a child that I liked and that I I saw really amazing things in and I wanted to cultivate those things. So, you know, there was some, there was some shots that I I took from her regularly. And then there was also, you know, the people that grew, the grew her with me, my shop mates, but they had been through a lot of abuse in their time. And so for them too, I think it was her hearing their stories 
her knowing that she didn't do certain things that they had to go through that, that really were, it was in her ear of like, did I earn this? Do I deserve this? And I had to be very, very validating towards her throughout her entire apprenticeship because she just couldn't own it. She couldn't own it. Like it wasn't, it, there, it was never enough. Like it was never enough. Like, and she was beating herself up. She was like making herself sick. And it reached a point where I was like, girl, I, I got nothing, man. Like, I, I think you need a professional beyond my capabilities to help you because I, I really, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I can give you. You're tattooing your three months, three months booked out. You're, you're nailing it. You're doing exactly your, your style. You're fucking called loud doodle. Like people will, will call you or your Instagram name on the street that's, that's like, that's like, ah. you know, <laughs> I like, don't even have that yet. Shit. And that's in three years. That's in three yeah. years time. She has more Instagram followers than me. And she's doubled the Instagram followers that she's had since we work together. Like she is amazing. And we're not speaking right now. Like it, she's not happy with me as a person, but you know what? I, I did all those things that you said. And you know, I know that she resents me on certain levels or whatnot. I look at it the way a, a parent does with a child who eventually is going to say they hate them one yeah. day. Like, I hate you. They'll come back. They'll come yeah. Back. I mean, I mean I if hope. she does, she doesn't. I, I did right by her. Like, I, I yeah. feel good. I did right by her and what I know I did. And just hearing what you had to say about what you did with your apprentices, you know, you skipped a lot of the fat of it. And the way I see it is, if they want to go back and if they want to learn about coil machines and all this stuff, they're making enough money now that they can take that time to invest yeah. in that education. If they want to, they can, they can take that time and invest in whatever education they think they have to for their journey. So that's, that's how I see it. I didn't want to make a little Amy Computron who has to feel everything that I felt and do everything I do. That wasn't the point. The point was, giving wings to something I saw wanted to fly right. and that's it right. where they fly to. I don't care. <laughs> you know? That wraps up part one of our interview with Garrett Radio. Come back next week for the second part. Thanks for listening. You can find the apprenticeship diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our our listeners. listeners. wraps up our interview with fuck thank you for listening to the apprenticeship diaries this is the butterfly effect part one of our interview with garrett radio of black fuck that's a test (laughs) (laughs) that wraps up the first part of a three-part interview with garrett radio from black coffin tattoo in saint paul minnesota shit